invite you to, uh, uh, to uh, walk with us through the book of Ephesians, which is what we've been doing ever since we launched back in January. So uh, if you have your Bibles here or you want to uh, pull out your phone uh, and go to the spot that we are um, going to be studying from, you can go to Ephesians 4. Um, we're going to be spending our time in the end of that, or to, in the middle of that chapter, verses, uh, um, I don't even remember the exact verses, it's like 11 to 16 or something like that. So um, we've been talking about uh, the book of Ephesians and how uh, God has created and established this society uh, through his grace, which is supposed to be um, the, his, like, his like, new society in the world that are going to go out and, um, and like, preach this message of salvation and unity and holiness, um, which God has been uh, working in the lives uh, of his people. And um, the book of Ephesians is about how uh, this project of salvation in the church, how um, it gets started through God's grace, how uh, God builds it up by giving us new life and then uniting us to one another, um, and then how uh, now this book has started transition into this place, like after this whole great big cosmic story has been told, um, Paul is going to start to talk about uh, what it actually looks like practically for us to be living uh, this out. And actually, the book has a transition point here. Um, you want to, uh, the clicker's not working, do you, oh, there we go. Okay, so yeah, so here's our different... Um, themes that we have throughout this week. You see these, these five different themes. Uh, the distinctive life of the church is the one that we're in right now. And this is where this big shift has taken place uh, in the book of Ephesians. And it's kind of kicked off here in Ephesians 4.1. This is like the real transition point where Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Um, so this, remember, this is kind of framed where we're at now in the book of Ephesians. I want you to live a life worthy of this calling, which he's detailed this calling uh, through the, fir- the whole first half of the book of Ephesians. So if you haven't been with us, you want to understand more what that looks like, I invite you to go back on our website, or um, we have a Spotify or iTunes. You can listen to those sermons and get a sense for what does this calling look like so I can understand what it would look like to live a calling worthy of that. But we're in that place now where we're going to get really practical, and Paul's going to actually explain in practice what this looks like. Um, now, the great part about this passage, and where we talked about last week too, because this is a, like kind of like a mini mini sermon series within a sermon series that we're doing these last two weeks. Julie last week kicked off this idea of gifts, and I'm going to be kind of finishing it off, um, talking about the specific gifts that Paul brings up here uh, in this chapter in Ephesians four. But um, the great thing about this passage is we get a sense that God is not necessarily leaving us to figure out what it looks like to live this life uh, worthy of the calling we've received on our own or leaving us to our own devices so we can't work this out perfectly. Um, we actually find out that he's gifted us in these different ways um, and specifically in these five gifts that he lists in this passage to help us to live a life worthy of that calling. And so that's kind of what uh, today's uh, message is about. So. Like I said, Julie highlighted last week how these graces or these, um, these charisms is what it's called. That's where we get the word gift from. They've been given to us um, for the purpose of helping us to live out um, this, this, uh, this new society, this call to unity and holiness that Paul has been talking about. Um, and so, just a little refresher on that, just to kind of get you a sense for where we've been. Um, 
Paul says in Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure to the fullness of Christ. So, um, and Julie talked about how last week the works of service here, that word service can be translated ministry as well. So like we've been given gifts to accompany a, a certain ministry that we're all called to within this body. And so um, we all have this calling that you know, looks different for each of us but specifically works together for the purpose of building up the body so that we all are united, so we all have a deeper knowledge of the Son of God, so that we're mature and so that we can attain what Paul calls the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, okay? So that's kind of where we're at. And we're going to highlight um, today uh, these specific five gifts that Paul lists. Last week, Julie talked a little more generally about all these different gifts that we have. Um, But we're going to talk a little bit about the five that Paul highlights today. That's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time here. And these five gifts are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Um, So what Paul is saying by highlighting these five here, because you can go to lots of several other places in the New Testament and find these different gifts that Paul lists. And it's a much longer list than you get here. Um, And you can also work out different gifts that people have that might even not even be listed in Scripture, but you just see like this thing helps the church uh, reach those goals, okay? But the reason that Paul lists these five here is because uh, to be Christ's body, to reach unity, to grow in knowledge, um, these gifts need to be in operation to some degree. Okay, these are five that are, are incredibly important and have to be working in some operation for us to, to truly grow towards uh, that, that, that lofty goal that Paul is setting out for us. And so that's why he highlights these. Um, now, I don't think these are, these, are, these are necessarily leadership positions, right? I don't think we should read these as like hierarchical positions um, that you need to have, you need to have these five uh, roles filled in your church and you just gotta make sure that, that, that that's filled out and if someone's an apostle in your church and someone's a prophet or whatever, your church is gonna be fine. It's not that, it's, not that. it's that these gifts need to be being used. And, and I think um, that like, we all have some measure of these, these five gifts. Now, your, your main gift might be uh, service. It might be uh, mini- like art, art ministry. Maybe your, your main gift of service is like you're just your killer at leading worship or something, right? Whatever, whatever your main gift is, I think that we all have some measure of these five gifts. And so I want to encourage you to, today as we walk through them to think about uh, do I have a measure of any of these five gifts and, and can I be using that to serve here at Res City or serve the church at large in God's purposes? So um, what we're going to do is we're just going to start to walk through these um, but before we do, I want to like give you a sense for, for how these gifts do function, okay? So instead of thinking about them as like hierarchical, like I said, we should be thinking of them more like a cast, right? So when you wear a cast, you usually are wearing it because like your hand has been broken or something, and the cast helps uh, your hand to grow back right, right? Like if you're not wearing a cast, it can grow in directions it's not supposed to, right? So you wear this cast or you wear boots sometimes or different things to help uh, to help it to grow uh, into the shape that it's supposed to grow into. And that's what these gifts 
gifts are for. These gifts are supposed to help uh, the body to grow into the correct shape that God has designed for it. And so that's why all these gifts need to be in operation because if they're not, the body can maybe grow off in directions that's not supposed to. So that's how we should, we should view these, okay? Again, not necessarily hierarchical, although a lot of times in leadership positions, you have leaders that are operating in the, out of these giftings. But um, the main goal is to serve the body by creating a shape to which it grows towards because it can grow off in some weird, weird places if these gifts aren't working uh, the right way, okay? So let's just walk through these five different gifts, all right? Uh, first of all, we have apostles. So um, the apostles originally are probably functioning a little bit differently than how the gift of apostleship works today because it seems like from like when we study the Bible, there's a pretty specific, uh, sp- pretty specific reference that they're being made to the apostles. These are people who have uh, spent time uh, with the resurrected Jesus and have this like unique calling from him to proclaim um, that, the, that Jesus has been raised from the dead, that he's offering forgiveness, and he's, he's calling this new kingdom uh, into, into existence, right? And so they're going into new places, and you read about the apostles in the book of Acts, and Paul refers to himself as an apostle in Ephesians here. They're going into new places, and they're getting the church off the ground, up and running, okay? Now, like I said, um, this is like, seems like a very specific office in the early church that like, people who had spent time with the risen Jesus, um, like bodily raised Jesus, the pre-ascended Jesus, they're the ones who fill this role. So we don't believe that this gift is in operation in the exact same way today, but I think that like, like if we look at the effects of that this gift had, like we can trace out a way in which this gift is still being used, okay? So apostles today are people who um, have this gift of going into new places and, uh, and creatively and boldly declaring the spread of God's kingdom, okay? It doesn't have to take place in the same way that like Paul was doing it or these other apostles were, but I think a lot of times it actually ends up looking uh, really pioneering or entrepreneurial, right? It's about creating structure and organization in places where it, where it isn't, bringing uh, into organization these movements to, to uh, uh, cast the kingdom of God in new places. And this is like a super important gift um, because it kind of coordinates, it kind of brings together, it kind of is the catalyst in a lot of ways that these, some of these other gifts aren't always. And so the gift of apostleship is super important. Now, don't confuse it with evangelism. We'll talk about that in a little bit here, okay? It's not just getting in front of people and talking with them specifically about the gospel, though it can be that. I think it's more about, like, movement. So we view um, church planting as, like, an apostolic endeavor, right? We're, we're starting a church. We're creating a foothold uh, for God's kingdom in places where uh, we want to see it uh, strengthen and growing, okay? So that gives you a sense for, for what apostleship looks like. Now, how do you know if you have this gift? Like if you love to think in structures, if you're very entrepreneurial minded and, and you love uh, pioneering, creating new stuff, you might have the gift, gift of apostleship, right? It, it might look different in, in what it looks like for you, but if that's something you really enjoy, the gift of apostleship uh, might be yours, okay? So does that kind of stuff interest me? Maybe think through that and, and maybe this is a gift that God has given you. Um, at Res City, what it looks like is, is helping us to creatively think through how do we engage this neighborhood 
neighborhood with the kingdom of God, right? In what type of events are we doing? What type of strategic ways are we thinking about going into new places and engaging people with, with this message of the gospel um, and, and, and creating structures and organizations to bring people in, to help them uh, find this unity and to build us up, okay? That's what it looks like at Res City. The second gift here is, is prophets. Um, now, originally, prophets... Um, have a major role to play in the Bible, right? Especially in the Old Testament, you see prophets popping up all over the place, a lot of them writing books. Um, again, this gift functions a little bit differently biblically, I think, than it does today. Because these are, these are people, men and women both, who are, um, who are taking the word of God and like actually going and speaking it into specific situations, right? Like they're actually, you know, it, it seems like they're often actually having conversations with God where they're going out. Now, I think that can still happen, but it's, I don't think that, that it needs to happen in order for that gift of prophecy to still be in function today. Um, these Today, prophets, um, we, we have scripture, right? We have the, the direct revelation of God that has been given to inform us. And so this gift of prophecy, of actually having God speak directly to us, is not quite as important as it was in that time. But we certainly see the gift still being used in the New Testament time, even though the whole Bible hadn't been written yet. And so we think it's still important that this, this gift is in operation. Um, but what it looks like is like calling us as a church to live according uh, to what God has for us, right? They're really concerned that our practice and our theology line up, right? They're, and they're not compl- they, don't, they don't get complacent in that. Because it can be easy to say, like, we're, we're doing enough, you know, like, we're, we're living this out well enough, or, or we believe the right things. But prophets are going to be, like, the ones who are, like, you know, not content to just say we think we know what we're doing, right? They're going to be the ones who are going to be calling us to actually live that out in real specific and tangible ways. And just, they're like, they have this holy discontent when that's not taking place. Um, they want to speak for God. They want to challenge the status quo. Uh, they want us to ask ourselves the hard question of, are we actually honoring God here in what we're doing, right? They see injustice in a way that other people don't, and they want to call people to see that in the same way that they do. They can't not see it, right, in a way that it's easy for other people to kind of turn a blind eye to it. That's the way that prophets function in the church. Now, don't complain prophecy with complaining or critiquing or criticizing, okay? Because I think that that can be easy to get those two mixed up, but there's a big difference. There's a big difference between those two, okay? Prophecy has a heart of love and wanting to see the body as a whole grow and flourish, criticizing and critiquing has contempt at the heart of it, right? It has, it has anger and frustration, and it views the people that they're criticizing as the enemy. But prophecy does not. It views it in love, okay? And it only critiques for the purpose of wounding, for the, for the purpose of building and growing in love, okay? So if, if you are like, yeah, I love to criticize people. I, I like to point out things I see wrong, right? Ask yourself, where's that coming from? And, and, and that will give you a sense of whether or not this is truly a gift of prophecy working out, okay? Um, so, you know, ask yourself this. Do I have a holy con- discontent? Do I have like a fire inside of me that is like, I can't not talk about this because I see something not lining up and I have to talk about it, okay? Um, what this looks like at Res City is, 
is, you know, in the study of the word, but actually like in calling people in the study, whether it's in your community group, whether it's in some Bible studies, whatever it is, calling people in there to actually ask the hard question, sometimes the uncomfortable question, sometimes the question that, you know, might not make you the most popular person in community group that night. Like, are we living this out well, right? That's what prophecy looks like. And while it might not be the most fun thing to ask that question, it's really needed, Okay, it's a really important thing that those of you who have this gift are using it, right? Um, and it also looks like, like coming to the leadership, okay, and talking to leadership, you know, one-on-one and asking hard questions, right? It's not prophecy if you're just going on, on Facebook or Twitter and complaining about stuff, right? True prophecy is going to go to leaders in love and ask them hard questions, okay? Not to make a scene, not to draw attention to themselves, um, but to speak uh, challenging, asking hard, challenging questions, asking, does our praxis line up with what we believe here, okay? That's what it looks like here at Rest City, Um, all right? All right, so next up, evangelists. Um, Now, the word evangelist uh, comes, it actually just comes from the same Greek word that we get the word gospel or good news from, all right? Euangelion. And so the word evangelists are like those who gospelize. Like, that's how we can understand it. Like, their language is the gospel. They just love to talk about it. And we get this word, the same with the, with the, with the, good, idea, the good news idea, right? That's where the Greek, the Greek word for gospel is just good news. It's not like it's a technical word. It's just, it means good news. Like, people use this word gospel all the time when they were talking in Greek in the first century. But the Christians were the ones who kind of took it and really gave it a really uh, a special meaning, right? There's an actual good news we're referring to. And in Isaiah 52, 7, we get a picture for this. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns, okay? So here's a, an essential part of evangelists. People are excited to see them. <laughs> if people aren't excited to see you coming um, and don't want you to talk to them, like maybe you're not an evangelist, like maybe that's not your gifting, all right? If, if you just succeed in pissing people off when you try to talk to them about Jesus, maybe this isn't your gifting. Um, although, you should try to grow in that, okay? I'm just gonna throw that out there. I think we're all called to evangelize, but some of us have a unique gifting of this, okay? Now, um, uh, these are people who can like compellingly lead others to, to know Jesus, right? But also notice, and I think this passage is really helpful, um, it's not just we only talk about this specific part of the gospel, like your forgiveness of sins, all this stuff. Like The gospel is about God reigning and God bringing his kingdom to earth, right? It's about proclaiming peace and love and unity, and that's what is the effects of the cross, right? And so people who are are preaching the gospel are people who are proclaiming that this has come, right? So this, this new age, this new thing that God is doing has now come. It's come, into, um, it's come into fruition and you're invited to be a part of it. This is what the people who have the gift of, of evangelism are doing. Now evangelism doesn't have to look the same for everyone either, okay? I think, I think evangelism oftentimes will look differently for different people. And in fact, one of the main ways I think evangelism takes place is just in hospitality, right? If you invite people into your home and just say, hey, I want to show you tangibly, like this is what I believe and this is what it looks like to, to bring peace and, and this is what it looks like for me to live out what I believe, I think like that's a compelling uh, um, picture of the gospel for people too. So I want to encourage you to just be hospitable people. Live, live this gift out by inviting people into your home. 
whether it's, it's people who, who are part of Rest City, people who are not a part of Rest City, like show, preach the gospel in your deeds and by being hospitable because that's what Jesus is for us, right? Hospitable, inviting us in to be a part of this work that he's doing. Now, um, if you uh, are asking yourself, do I have this gift? Like ask, ask yourself the question, do I like to spend time with non-believers? Do I enjoy being around people who, who haven't been Christians their whole life? And do I like uh, showing the light of Jesus to them? Like you might have this gift then. Um, and I, this is a really important gift too. I think it's one that like makes a lot of people uncomfortable. I actually just heard a stat too um, that like 48% of millennials think it's wrong to evangelize or something like, something like that. Like, so a lot of times like this is not a gift that people necessarily like to want to use because it's kind of like goes against the cultural grain. Like you're not supposed to talk about two things, right? Politics and religion. And evangelism is one of those, is breaking one of those rules. Um, so it can feel like an uncomfortable thing to a lot of people. And I think it's one that a lot of us think like, yeah, this makes me uncomfortable, so I don't want to have to do it. Um, but that's why it's so important that we have people that are doing it, right? And, and are doing it in ways that don't want make 48% of millennials want us to stop talking, right? Okay? So that's why it's so important that we have people who are good at this and want to do it. All right, let's talk about pastors here. Um, pastors are shepherds. That's actually what the Greek word here is. Again, it's not a technical word for something in the Greek world. They just took the word for shepherd and they applied it and they gave it new meaning within the church. And that meant just caring for the sheep, right? Taking care of them, looking after their needs, um, being there to guide them and to lead them lovingly to, uh, to streams of water and to grass that they can eat. Um, for their own benefit. And so pastors are people who care for the flock and their needs. They, they want to come alongside people in love and tenderness and to see them be cared for. Um, these are typically people who are emotionally sensitive, meaning they've, they've had feelings before. Um, and like, again, if you really struggle to empathize with people, this might not be your gift. But if you like love to empathize with people, if you see people hurting and you just have this burning desire to go and care for them, this might be your gift. Um, and, um, and, and pastors are also all about protecting the flock, right? They're about keeping the flock safe, which means keeping them safe from themselves sometimes, but it also means keeping them safe from harmful situations and trying to shepherd them out of harmful situations. That's the goal that pastors have. Um, and they have a real concern for like individual sheep. Like they love to spend time with, with individuals, talking to them about how they're doing, hearing about, listening to them, right? Just listening to them. <laughs> Some of these other gifts are much more talkative. Pastors are listeners, right? They care about people. So if you're asking yourself, do I have this gift? Do I have some measure of the gift of pastoring? Ask yourself, do I like to listen to people? Do I like to hear how they're doing? Okay, do I have, does empathy come natural for me? Okay, do I don't have to work at empathy. Um, do I, I feel a burden to see people be cared for and I'm like, I'm gonna be the one that jumps in and cares for this person, okay? That's what pastoring is. And, and at Rest City, it, it takes a bunch of different shapes. Obviously, that's my title. That's Julie's title as pastor. Um, but I would say our, our community group leaders are pastoring our people within our community groups, right? That's your job is to like look at people and find out how can I be caring well for them? How can I be feeding things? Sometimes you're feeding through teaching, which we'll talk about here um, in this next bit, but how are we caring for different people? Um, um, 
And they're disciplers too, right? They're, they, they are intentional at looking at people and asking, how can I see this person grow? I have a concern to see them individually grow. That's a pastoral thing. All right, here we go. Teachers, the last one in the list here. Um, teachers uh, want to us to understand God's story from his word and about his son. And they're really concerned with making sure like we have got it right. They're, they're, they're concerned with like, accuracy of understanding, right? They're concerned with like um, the implications of some wrong belief, right? Um, they're, they're concerned with making sure that we are peer in our theology and what we believe. But they're also thoughtful in asking challenging questions and asking like, you know, what does the Bible actually say? Does it actually say things that maybe some people have taken for granted in the past? Like teachers are the ones who care about this. Um, teachers get that understanding and knowing things lead us to maturity. So like, I think our culture is, is starting to, to learn more and more that education is super important to like having really good mature adults. Like people who, who, who don't have as much education tend to have a harder time uh, just in society, right? And so we've put a lot of efforts as a society into trying to increase uh, the level of education that kids get, right? All across the spectrum, believing that that will, will shape them as they grow up. Teachers get this, and the same is true in the church, right? Teaching and having people understand and know the story that they're living out will help them to grow in maturity. You can't grow into something you don't know, right? Which is why we need people who can compellingly and and articulately uh, teach uh, the Bible, teach the gospel to us constantly. Um, So... If you are asking yourself, do I have this gift of teaching? Ask yourself the question, do I gravitate towards studying my Bible? Like, is that my fav- one of my favorite things to do? Just study and research and like, I'd be totally content if I spent a whole day like reading my Bible and, and a commentary along with it. That's, that sounds like a good day to me, which I, I know I have, that this is one of my things. Like, if that's you too, like, you know, well, welcome to, uh, to teaching. But um, ask yourself, do I just love to dig deeper and deeper? Like, right, am I not satisfied with just like a really cursory understanding of a text, but I really want to dig into it and understand it more? Um, do I love to see people understand the Bible, understand the gospel that we're living out in new and deeper ways? I know for me, like, the, one of my favorite things in the world is like to see people come to a deeper understanding of something in scripture. Like, when they, you see their eyes light up and they're like, I'm like, they're they are learning something new right now. I just get so much excitement out of that. Like, that, is, that just gives me fuel. So um, if sometimes when I'm preaching, if you guys could even pretend that, like, you're learning something new, that would just give me so much excitement. Like, it would be really great, okay? Um, no, but that's just something I love. And if that's you, this might be your gift as well. So at Rest City, what this looks like is, is obviously, we have teaching taking place in community groups. Um, at breakout sessions, we're going to have some breakout sessions at, at our spring retreat we have coming up in Bible studies. Uh, I would even say Zach leading uh, worship up here. He's teaching us like what we believe in new and compelling ways through song, right? Um, you will probably, rem- I hope this is not true, but I'm going to guess you'll remember the lyrics and the tune to the songs that we're singing much better than you'll remember anything I say today, <laughs> Right? <laughs> I realize that that's, that's how the world works, okay? So Zach is actually in worship teaching us the gospel in new ways that are going to be compelling, that will stick with us. And so um, anytime that that happens, I think uh, the gift of teaching is evident, okay? 
All right, so now that we've kind of walked through those, let's see, let's see a little bit more in the passage about why these are so necessary. Okay, Ephesians 4, uh, verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So what Paul's saying is, like, without this cast, right, we're going to be blown all around. Things are going to, we're not going to be able to have any sort of uh, grounding. We're just going to be blowing back and forth without these, these five gifts in operation. Caring for people, teaching people, preaching the gospel to people, uh, creatively thinking about how are we going to be growing this, this thing that we are in, in new ways, because that's healthy, right? Um, and also calling us to, to actually live this out um, in, in real, uh, real conformity to what we believe. Without those gifts, um, we're going to be tossed and turned and, and, and we're going to have you know, any wind of teaching, Paul says, or any cunning or craftiness of people can come in and we're going to be blown off course, right? Because there are, for sure, there are apostles of other gospels that are trying to grow some structure in other places, whether it's in the government, whether it's in society somewhere. There are people who are trying to grow other gospels in other places, right? Many times that are completely antithetical to what we believe. Um, there are false prophets who are going to come in and say, Listen, everything's fine. Like, don't worry. Like, you're good. Just keep going. That's actually like the mark of a false prophet in Scripture, because you you actually as much as many like real prophets as you run into in the Old Testament. It's actually way more false prophets, and these are people who would just hang out in the king's court and tell the king whatever he wanted to hear, and he'd say, "Cool, I really like you. Why don't you stick around? You can keep telling me stuff I like to hear." Um, that's false prophecy, the Bible says. Like, true prophecy isn't willing to, is willing to challenge, right? Um, but we will have false prophets who will come in and telling us when everything is awesome, we don't need to, you know, we can keep living out in this way that's not actually in line with what we believe or actually not in line with the gospel. Like, that's okay, keep doing it, just be happy, right? We will have prophets who, or we will, we will hear that temptation without true prophets in operation, be blown off course. There will be evangelists of whole new gospels that will come in and whisper uh, sweet nothings in our ears, right? There is other good news out there, right? There are, everyone's talking about some good news. Right, just, watch, just watch five commercials in a row. Every commercial has some new good news about this scrub that's being sold, right? The, the good news of your house is if you buy this scrub, everything's going to be great and you're going to be dancing and everything's going to be happy, right? Every, everyone is trying to sell some good news to us, right? And so if we don't have true evangelists preaching the gospel, the true gospel, like the true good news, then we will be blown off. They'll be tempted to believe these other things. We'll get cared for or pastored um, in our needs by something that will wrestle us away from the gospel. It'll turn us inward, right? It'll, 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 it'll be some sort of self-medication, some sort of numbing that is going to care for us other than like true uh, unified caring for one another, right? I think like, like we love to self-medicate ourselves by Netflix and chill, right? We love to self-medicate ourselves through substances or whatever it is. You know, it doesn't even need to be um, someone else coming in. Like we, we find all these different things to care well for ourselves and we'll find other things to care well for us if pastors are not in operation, coming alongside and caring for each other within this body. So it's super important that we have people that are pastoring each other. And then 
finally, we'll be taught other stories, right? We will have teachers that will come in and teach us other things that will lead us astray. And, and, or maybe something that kind of sounds like the gospel, right? Maybe sounds kind of good to us, but without true teachers kind of saying like, yeah, no, that doesn't really work actually. Like, we'll be, we'll be pulled off, right? We'll be pulled off by these different things. And so, best case scenario for us as a church, if these five gifts are not in operation, right? We're just going to be blown all over the place. We're not going to be able to actually have any real grounding. It's going to be blowing to one thing or another, and we're just not going to grow, right? It's not like we'll necessarily, you know, go off course, but um, we're just not going to grow. We're going to stay infantile, right? And worst case scenario, without these gifts in operation, we'll just turn into some of these other things. We'll get completely blown off course, and that's what Paul is, is talking about here. So instead, he says, instead, speaking the truth in love, if these five gifts are in operation, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Okay? So first of all, what's important is each part does its work, and secondly, that they're doing so by speaking the truth in love. All right? Lots of times you'll have people who are really good at speaking truth but no love and truth without love ends up just wounding and afflicting. It ends up just hurting people a lot of times, right? And if you have love without truth, I think that's another thing you'll find. People who just speak love but no truth, you're going to leave people stagnant, you're going to leave people ignorant, you're going to leave them in, stuck in self-deception a lot of times, right? Because a lot of times love seems like just letting people keep doing what they're doing even if that's actually not the right thing, right? It doesn't have any truth to guide it. So it's super important uh, that we each do our part as we use these different gifts, that these, these gifts are in operation, and that we do it through speaking uh, the truth in love to one another, okay? The body, it, Paul says, is only going to grow up into these things if that's taking place. All right, so let's move into a time of application here. I have a couple for you. First of all, let's have a whole church, whole church growth mindset, Okay, now, Julie talked about this a little bit last week, so I don't want to go over it too much again, but I want to just, you know, refresh you in this. Like, the point of this uh, passage, right, is to not say, here's your gift, now go and, like, shine with your gift. Make sure everyone sees how great you are at using this gift, so they just wish that they had that gift, too, or wish they were as awesome as you, because that's how we're typically taught to use things that we're good at, right, is to, to go and to, like, use that to make ourselves super happy. The point here is not that we're supposed to uh, just work and turn that gift inward. We're supposed to turn it outward to the rest of the body. So what Paul is calling us to is like a whole church growth mindset. I'm sure you guys have heard of growth mindset before, right? It's kind of a popular concept. Um, if you haven't, it's, it's about like how you don't want to have a fixed mindset that says like, I can't grow. I view failure as like, um, I view failure as just like something to, you know, that stops the process. I can't ever grow in this thing. It sees, uh, you know, failure as thing I can't overcome, right? I'm just going to stay where I'm at, okay? Now, a growth mindset is the opposite. A growth mindset says, hey, um, I'm going to view failure as an opportunity to grow. I'm going to view uh, a weakness as an opportunity to develop that thing, right? It's very optimistic in how it views itself, even in hard times. And instead of having an individual growth mindset here at the church, right? Instead of being just concerned with our own individual growth, which is important, don't hear me wrong, super important, we need to have 
a growth mindset for the whole church. We need to view um, spots where it's like, maybe we're not super strong in this area as, a, as an opportunity for us to grow in that. Um, as a place for someone else to step up who does have that gift, right? Um, and we need to have it for the whole church, right? We need to have that view of for the entire body to grow as opposed to just each of us individually. Because if we're just each individually competing to try and grow for ourselves, like, we're, I don't know, we'll limp along, we'll be okay, right? But, like, we're not going to grow into the fullness that we're called to, right? We're not going to live this calling out as a church body in the way that Paul wants us to based off this calling that we've received. So we have to see our gifts, we have to, to ask ourselves, what are our gifts? Maybe it's not one of these five gifts, maybe it's, it's something else, but how can I use that gift? How can I identify it? Because it's actually really important for me to identify this gift so that I can use it in the context of, of the service. And as we're all using our gifts, right, in different ways, we're all going to be growing up, right? So maybe your gift is serving, right, and, and my gift is teaching. Like, you're serving on a Sunday morning by, like, helping this, this place get all set up, and I'm hopefully serving you back by teaching you, right? We're going to be serving each other, and as we all are serving together in our different ways, we grow, we grow, we grow, all right? And then um, that can be intimidating, right? Like, so this call to, like, uh, to, 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 to step forward with your gift, I realize can actually be kind of intimidating. It can actually feel like um, there's this pressure that's being put on us now. And I think, like, we live in a culture where, like, depression and anxiety are extremely high. And, like, I'm no psychologist, but, like, I wonder if there's some correlation between, like, this pressure we have been put on ourselves to, like, go out, succeed, um, and do it all in our own strength and ability by just outworking everybody else. Like, that puts a lot of burden and pressure on us, and I'm not calling you to that, okay? I'm not calling you uh, to, to look at your gifts and say, like, how can I just use this and, and get out there and work my butt off so that the church grows? Because Paul doesn't call us to that. He says in Ephesians 4 here that it's from him, it's from Christ that all this stuff takes place. And so that should actually, like, decenter us and free us, okay? Because it's humbling. It, it, our need to gobble up self-esteem like it might be the last time we ever get any goes away because it's not actually us, right? Julie talked last week about how uh, these gifts have been given to us um, by Christ himself as he conquers. So they're his gifts. He's gonna make sure that they work themselves out. So we shouldn't have any fear about not measuring up. We shouldn't feel intimidated or put this burden on us. If we just operate in our gifts, like God is going to gift and bless us to use those. And so that like, that frees us, it humbles us, but it also frees us, okay? Um, because now we're just free to go use that gift, right? We're free to go use that gift and to trust that Christ is going to use that gift, working through us uh, to grow this church into complete unity and maturity, which is what we're being called for, okay? And so what we need to do is we need to focus ourselves on Christ. We need to trust in Christ and focus ourselves in him. Because when we do, like, like a lot, everything else just changes, right? If we shift our mindset from focusing just on ourselves and our ability to use these gifts, um, everything changes. It decenters us, like I just talked about. It humbles us. It frees us up to use those gifts. Um, it also uh, gives us the shape of what we're trying to grow up into, right? Like, 
Remember, if, if it's from him that this is growing up and it's his body, that gives us the shape that this cast that we have of these gifts is supposed to cause us to grow into. So the more and more we focus and trust, on, trust in Christ, the more and more we're going to grow into what it is that Paul is calling us towards. So as we, um, as we close the sermon out today, as we've kind of walked through this, what we, what we do every week is we end by uh, spending some time uh, in worship and also uh, taking communion, which is, which is this thing that uh, calls us back to a remembrance of what Christ has done for us. And, and several things happen on the cross that Paul talks about in different places, specifically um, about... Um, specifically about uh, Communion. One of the things is that communion actually unifies us as we take um, all from the same loaf of bread together. Uh, but communion also, um, I think, actually, when we do this, like all five of those things that we talk about that the church needs, kind of take place in communion, right? It's like it's like a prophetic act. Paul says in First Corinthians eleven twenty six, "You proclaim the Lord's death until He comes," right? So we're we're proclaiming God's death and reminding ourselves of what that looks like every week as we actually get up, walk up, and we take uh, and eat from the bread. Um, it teaches us symbolically of, of the center of our faith, right, and what that actually looks like. It looks like self-sacrifice. It looks like giving oneself up even in death. It shepherds our hearts and comforts us as we uh, return to um, the glory of the cross, the comfort of the cross, of forgiveness, of, of new life that is offered to us because of the cross. Um, and, 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 it, and it proclaims in new places, right? When we celebrate communion in new places, Paul, like Paul said, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. That's actually an evangelistic and a... And a, and a um, uh, apostolic thing too. So what we're going to do is we're going to take some time in worship. We're going to have a couple of worship songs. Invite you to come on up. All we ask is that you are a follower of Jesus to come on up here. If you're just visiting, we would love to have you take communion with us. Um, and um, uh, like we said, this is uh, this is a time of worship as well. And so if you uh, would like to worship through giving, which we also believe is an act of worship, we will have um, giving in the very back behind uh, the soundboard. Um, there's a table back there. So I'll pray, and the worship team's gonna come up, and then we'll head into this time. Father, we thank you that you have not uh, left us to our own devices um, when you have called us to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. We thank you that you've actually gifted us um, so that we may... Uh, we may be helped in our time um, so that we can truly grow into all that you've called us. We can live this life worthy of the calling that we've received. So I, I pray that you would um, give us wisdom as we ask ourselves if, if we have been gifted in, in these ways, in which ways these, of these we've been gifted. And even if it's in a small way, Lord, that we're using these gifts, I pray that you give us uh, the ability to use these uh, within the body here at Res City Church, Lord. And, and, and as all of these gifts work together, we pray that you would help us to grow into a maturity, to unity, to knowledge of, of your Son of God, Lord, in all sorts of different ways. I pray that we would uh, be free to, to use our gifts um, in joy to serve one another. God, we pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Joel.